Fuel is important in our modern day life. So, if you're cooking, heating, or powering a generator or your vehicle, which fuel is best for those wanting to live a ready life? This is episode 751 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's episode, the best type of fuel for preppers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that can help you get ready for a better future. All article links and show information can be found in the show notes. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode. I am glad that you are here. Hey, I want to ask if you would rate and review the podcast on wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps others find the podcast and I am greatly appreciative of it. Hey, let's go ahead and jump into the article of this episode. It comes to us from thesurvivalistblog.net. Again, that's thesurvivalistblog.net. The title of the article is The Best Types of Fuel for Preppers. You know, when I started reading this article, I first thought, okay, they're just talking about fuel for vehicles, but then they got into fuel for cooking and heating and other things like that. So this is going to be like that overall general uh, type of article that's going to cover fuels uh, in, in a couple of different ways. And I think it's really relevant. Uh, what I like is they talk about uh, how long it lasts, like the shelf life and things that you need to consider. And uh, it's just an overall great general article. And so uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this one. Again, the best types of fuel for preppers. If you're a prepper, there's a high chance you'll be using tools and gadgets that require liquid fuel to function. It might be a car, a generator, a power tool, even a stove or a light source. Whatever it is, no fuel means no go for anything. That simply implies that gathering, storing, and rotating your fuel resources is one more item on your weekly and quarterly inspection list. Unfortunately, most of us will not be able to survive on only one type of fuel, It might be the minimum requirement of having numerous automobiles and equipment that use various fuels, or it may be diversification as a safeguard against the loss of capability. The fact is that when it comes to fuels, your jobs will most likely be more difficult than you assume. However, there's no need to be concerned. With the information in this article, you'll be up to speed on the best fuels for preppers in no time. Here's a list of all nine of the most popular and essential prepper fuel sources. So before we get into the list, I'd like to outline some of the characteristics, advantages, and drawbacks of various liquid fuels. It's worth noting that there is no such thing as a superior option. You simply have a different set of trade-offs if you pick one fuel supply over another. Yes, much of the time, what you'll need to store will be predetermined based on what your vehicle, generator, and other tools consume. For some of us, however, we'll have more options in that matter. We'll be purchasing and selecting our fuel sources, which may be difficult. Do you want a fuel that is widely available, inexpensive, and energetic, but one that has a short shelf life, 
owing to volatility or would you like a more expensive fuel with a long shelf life that is difficult to get and largely obsolete for most applications? Other comparisons abound. Yes, some fuels will want to include, while others will be optional or simply available as a backup. However, keep in mind that the post-apocalyptic landscape may differ significantly from what we know in today's world. Consider this as you go through the list below. So the first fuel that we're going to talk about is diesel. So diesel has a shelf life of one to two years. And here's the handling and storage considerations. You want to keep cool at approximately 70 degrees Fahrenheit. It's highly combustible and keep in an approved container away from ignition sources. It will gel in extreme cold weather. Diesel fuel, as we know it, is not a certain type of petroleum fuel. It refers to any liquid fuel designed for use in a diesel engine or compression ignition system. Diesel fuel isn't as powerful as gasoline and the engines are more challenging to build but they're also more durable and commercial diesel oil is much more stable over time than gasoline. However, it does struggle in certain circumstances such as very cold weather. Modern diesel fuels are being increasingly experimented with and sold with a variety of additives that have slightly reduced the previously renowned long shelf life. Diesel nevertheless is a fantastic choice for long-term storage compared to gasoline because of its dramatically longer shelf life. Compared to corner station gasoline, you'll easily get a year out of diesel if it's kept cool and you can make it up to two years with stabilizers. One oddity of diesel fuel is that strange algae may grow and survive in the mix at the border of water separation within the solution. These algae colonies are similar to those that develop in your home's pond or pool and if left unaddressed, these can severely clog fuel lines and ruin your day. Despite these problems, diesel is an excellent liquid fuel choice as long as your vehicle and generator infrastructure takes it. The next fuel that we'll discuss is biodiesel. So the biodiesel shelf life is one to two years. Handling and storage considerations. It's combustible. You should keep it in an approved container and it breaks down rapidly in extreme temperatures. So biodiesel is a diesel fuel replacement made from vegetable oils or animal fats and recycled restaurant grease. It is safe to use in any diesel engine and compatible with most regular diesel fuel storage, distribution, and handling infrastructure. Biodiesel has many benefits over traditional petroleum-based diesel fuels. It is renewable, non-toxic, biodegradable, and creates significantly less air pollution than traditional fuels. It also reduces our dependence on foreign oil. The ready availability of the ingredients and the comparative ease of the chemical processes and reactions required to create usable biodiesel means that this is a legitimate DIY fuel for diesel engines that individuals can at least plausibly make themselves from scavenged supplies. It is worth noting, however, that only specialty engines can run on pure biodiesel, but a usable biodiesel fuel mixture, one compatible with standard engines, is easily made by combining a large quantity of biodiesel with a much smaller quantity of standard diesel fuel, sort of cutting the product, if you will. On the downside, biodiesel production currently requires more energy than the fuel produces when burned, though this imbalance is decreasing as biodiesel production technology improves. 
Also, while biodiesel can be produced in small quantities at home using simple methods, commercial scale production needs specialized equipment and is currently more expensive than petroleum-based diesel fuel. Biodiesel is an excellent fuel choice for preppers and should be one of your top considerations. Next up is gasoline. So the shelf life is one to three months if ethanol blend or up to six months if pure gasoline. So the handling and storage considerations, it's extremely combustible, significant vapor ignition hazard, and you should keep it in approved containers away from all sources of heat and ignition. So the most popular type of fuel in the world, gasoline, is a mixture of various hydrocarbons that are derived from crude oil. Gasoline is more volatile than diesel fuel and has a shorter shelf life, but it is significantly more energetic per unit volume and much easier to store and transport. One significant downside to gasoline compared to diesel fuel is that gasoline engines are not as durable as diesel engines and will require more frequent service if used regularly. Additionally, gasoline engines are more sensitive to fuel contamination than diesels. This means that you need to be especially vigilant when storing or using gasoline in your prepper activities. Gasoline does, however, perform much more reliably than diesel fuel in cold weather conditions. Only the most blistering cold temperatures will adversely affect gasoline. A gasoline with no ethanol stored correctly will last anywhere from six months to a year before the component chemicals separate enough to make it lose potency or even render it completely useless. However, the growing use of high percentage ethanol gasoline mixes has shortened the shelf life even further with three months on the outside and maybe six if you use an appropriate stabilizer additive. On the plus side, gasoline that contains no ethanol should last from a year to 18 months with the appropriate stabilizer formulation added. Regardless of which one you're storing, trying to start an engine with gasoline that has gone bad can result in serious problems or even engine destruction. If you want to keep your gasoline for any length of time, it must be rotated religiously if you don't want your supply to go sour, which is a pain that many people, including many preppers, will just not be able to handle. If you need your fuel stores on standby for an extended period of time and rely on crucial tools or vehicles as part of your survival strategy, look into alternative fuel sources if available. So up until this point, we've been talking about like fuel uh, you know, fuel sources for vehicles and things like that. Now we're, we're going to start to get into other fuel, uh, you know, talking about heating and, and cooking and things like that. So next up is Sterno. And that's just that solid gel type type that you put underneath uh, food if you're catering or if you're at a buffet or whatever. So the shelf life is indefinite if seal is intact. So handling and storage considerations, keep in a cool, dry place away from sources of ignition flame can be difficult to see when lit. These are small self-contained fuel blocks that generate heat using a catalytic reaction. They were originally designed as catering fuel and are popular with backpackers, campers, and hunters who need a portable heat source. Sterno fuel tabs or gel have the advantage of being compact, lightweight, and easy to use. They also have a long shelf life if properly stored and are available in virtually unlimited supply. The major drawback is that they don't generate much heat. You'll need at least three to four for anything more than a small cooking task. Another consideration is that the flame from these little fuel blocks get extremely hot, but so does the container itself and very quickly. 
Do not let them get too close to any combustible material on the ground or other work surfaces. You'll end up with some scorched marks or an accidental fire. Although this raises unique safety issues for this sort of fuel, no one can dispute Sterno's effectiveness based on its convenience, permanence, simplicity of use, and suitability for indoor usage. Sterno is readily available and relatively inexpensive, making it a great primary fuel while traveling. For a little extra weight and bulk to your pack, a few cans of Sterno provide a lot of heat. All right, next up is wood, of course. So wood shelf life is indefinite if protected from rot and pest. It requires time to season, and that's variable compared to your, uh, you know, to your environment. So the handling and storage considerations. Uh, resinous wood can spit and pop when burned, a possible secondary fire hazard. Watch for splinters. All right, so wood is probably the most basic and fundamental solid fuel. Throughout history, mankind has burned wood for campfires and meals, and it will continue to do so in the future. In the days before coal, oil, and natural gas, wood was a primary fuel for heating homes and powering machinery. Even today, in many undeveloped parts of the world or austere environments, wood is still the predominant source of energy. There are a few things to like about burning wood as your prepper fuel. It's renewable, abundant, and user-friendly. It also has a long history of use, so you probably have some experience with it. Wood is special compared to all of the other primary fuels on this list because it requires the least amount of processing, expertise, or effort to produce. Dry twigs and branches can simply be plucked from the ground and used as soon as possible to yield light and warmth. Even green wood will generally burn, but it does so inefficiently, resulting in a lot of smoke. On the downside, wood is bulky, heavy, vulnerable to rot and consumption by insects, and generates a great deal of smoke and soot. In addition, wood that has been stored to prepare for firewood should be cut into appropriate sizes and then split into smaller pieces to improve efficiency and speed up the drying process. The majority of hardwoods must be dried or seasoned, which takes several months. If you need to get prepared fast for the approaching winter, remember that this will take a few months. Also, wood is mostly use useless as a fuel for engines and power tools unless you are able to extract wood gas from its combustion. Next up is coal. So the shelf life of coal is indefinite. The handling and storage considerations are avoid inhaling or ingesting coal dust. Coal may seep oils which can pose secondary health and fire hazards. Coal is an old, dirty standby, once used for heating homes and powering locomotives and steamships for centuries. It's still in use today as a major power plant fuel, although natural gas and oil are slowly supplanting it. Although you hardly hear of it being used at a, as an individual or residential level directly, coal does have legitimate advantages for those able to access and make use of it. Coal has a very long shelf life if stored properly is abundant, and is relatively easy to ignite. It also produces a great deal of heat, making it an excellent choice for heating your home or cooking food. The main drawback of coal is its weight. It's bulky and heavy, which can be a problem if you need to move it around. In addition, it produces a significant amount of ash that has to be disposed of and can pose significant health issues if inhaled. Perhaps the biggest problem will be finding or adapting appliances, furnaces, and other equipment to utilize it. Next up is white gas. 
So the shelf life of white gas is five to seven years when factory sealed or two years or less if open. So the handling and storage considerations, it's highly combustible, has reputation for corroding metal containers, inspect regularly for damage to storage vessels. White gas is a term used in the United States for a variety of flammable hydrocarbons, but it usually refers to N-heptene and iso-octane. White gas has a very high efficiency rating, making it perfect for use in small devices like those found in camping stoves and lanterns. It is also possible to buy white gas pre-mixed with other fuels such as isopropyl alcohol or rubbing alcohol or methanol for use in portable stoves and heaters. These mixtures are less volatile and safer than straight white gas, but they don't store or burn as well. The shelf life of white gas is considerably greater than gasoline, with a range of 5 to 7 years when kept unopened and up to 2 years after being opened. One oddity of white gas to be aware of is that it has a propensity to rust metal containers, particularly those in which it is sold. You should routinely check the containers in which you store your white gas for signs of rusting and either transfer it or use it as soon as possible. Another downside of white gas is that it can be difficult to find in some areas and is largely limited in application. Be sure you are familiar with the specific stove or lantern you are using before attempting to use white gas. All right, so the next fuel that we're going to discuss is LPG or propane. So the shelf life here is 30 plus years. So handling and storage considerations is extremely combustible, will sink near floor and low-lying areas when released into the atmosphere. Inhalation hazard, it's entirely dependent on high-pressure storage vessels for containment. So LPG, or liquefied petroleum gas, is a mixture of hydrocarbons, the most common of which is propane. It is used as a fuel for heating and cooking, as well as forklift trucks and other industrial vehicles. LPG has many advantages over gasoline. It is very safe to store due to its high flash point, it has a long shelf life, and it is more efficient than gasoline so you can get more power out of a given volume. Propane is the world's th third most popular fuel for automobiles, used in almost every part of the globe. It comes second only to gasoline and diesel in terms of popularity. Propane can power anything from buses to forklifts, power tools, grills, and personal heaters. It is simple and safe to transport, readily available, and has a low environmental impact when burned correctly. Propane is rather unusual when compared to other liquid fuels. When under a lot of pressure, propane is a liquid, but its low boiling temperature means it will instantly transform into a gas when released into the atmosphere. Still, being heavier than air, this explosive vapor will sink close to the ground or floor and represent a dangerous asphyxiation hazard. The major risk is almost always that of an explosion, which occurs whenever a leaking propane cylinder is kept too near to a flame or spark source. Although propane has the most function for preppers, aside from its enormous flexibility, it also has an exceptionally long shelf life. Propane kept in a correctly maintained and serviced container has a shelf life of more than 30 years with no additives or other meddling required to maintain it. A large residential propane tank on the premises, for example, may be enough to get us through a lengthy term survival scenario with fuel to spare and no worries about degradation or spoilage. 
Another disadvantage of LPG is that it is more expensive than gasoline and diesel fuel. However, in an emergency scenario in which other energy resources are limited or unavailable, LPG may be one of your best alternatives. All right, so let's go ahead and go into the last one of this uh, article here, and it's kerosene. The shelf life is two to five years. The handling and storage considerations, it's highly flammable, responsible for many household fires. It's vulnerable to condensation. So kerosene is a hydrocarbon liquid that is used in lamps, stoves, and heaters. Kerosene was once a very popular fuel owing to its predominance as lamp fuel in cities all around the world. Although other liquid fuels has improved in efficiency and accessibility, their usage may mostly been replaced throughout most of the world due to improvements in other forms of energy. Kerosene remains a major heating and cooking fuel throughout much of the world, particularly Asia, however. In the prepper context, kerosene has many advantages. It is generally less volatile than gasoline, has a higher flash point so it's safer to store, and can be stored for significantly longer periods of time than either gasoline or diesel fuel. Kerosene, once it's properly stored in an appropriate container that avoids airspace and seeks to prevent condensation from forming, might last anywhere between two and five years. The main drawback of kerosene is its lower energy density, meaning you will need more of it to achieve the same power output as its main competitor, gasoline. However, if you have a generator or other tool that runs on kerosene, then this might not be much of an issue for you. So when you're addressing a crisis or the repercussions of a large catastrophe, you'll need the proper fuels to power your cars, generators, boilers, and other equipment. All of these liquids are readily available and have a function, so it's up to you to budget for long-term storage based on what you currently have or arrange your purchase in such a way that makes the greatest sense for you. Just be sure to keep that fuel in a safe and dry place, stored in appropriate containers, so you can continue to keep the lights on and the power flowing when the time comes. All right, guys, so one of the uh, fuels here, at least one that I've considered for cooking, and I have a little bit of it, is butane. So I have a butane stove, um, and, I've, and I've seen those a lot more in Asia. When you're watching videos of, I don't know, cooking, whatever, they have smaller uh, apartments and they don't really have, uh, you know, like stoves and ovens and all that kind of stuff. So they have these little, you know, one stove, uh, you know, camp stove, I guess. Right. And so they're able to uh, use a small butane container to cook whatever they need to cook. And so uh, I've purchased one of those. I haven't played around with it too much, but it seems pretty stable. Uh, and uh, it seems it seems to work for a lot of people. And a lot of the times you'll see like a window open or whatever. So, you know, they're uh, they're pretty safe, but, you know, they do have ventilation going. All right. So just going through this just a little bit, you know, one of the things that we always think about is, you know, when the poop hits the fan, is there something, you know, there, the fuel for us? Now, I talk a lot about fuel as far as power and having power, for instance, to power your refrigerator and power your freezer and power your electronics so that, uh, you know, you, you have that available. And I always talk about, for instance, having an inverter. I think if you can't afford a generator, I think that's one of the easiest things to do. For instance, when we know that there's a hurricane in the Gulf and it could possibly be coming over here, you know, and hitting Houston, I always go fill up my, my gas tank. I have, you know, I don't know, 20, uh, gosh, I don't 
30 gallons in my, in my, uh, in my truck. And so if I have that filled up, I can use that inverter to power my, my, you know, my refrigerator and my freezer. So I don't lose, you know, all the food that I have in there, but I also have a generator. And so I can use that if I need to. Now I'm not one that stores gasoline. I, I just, in, at one point I was, I was getting ready to do like, you know, the six, uh, I know some people do 12 and they have one for every month. And then every month they're, they're switching it out. And so I'm like, I don't want to do one every month. So I'm going to switch, I'm going to do it every two months. And of course I'm going to have stable and I'm going to use, you know, the additives and all that kind of stuff. And I'll just kind of switch out that way. And I just never got around to doing it because I didn't want to have to, first of all, keep up with it. You know, I've got a busy life. I didn't want to keep up with it because I knew it's exactly what this article said is like, you know, you got to be pretty religious about, about rotating it out. And then, you know, you've, you got to, it's messy. You got to get a funnel. You got to make sure you don't drip all over your vehicle and mess up the paint and, and, uh, all this kind of stuff, you know? And so I'm like, I just, I just don't want to deal with it. The, the little bit of money that I felt like, you know, like I would save because if you're rotating it out every so often, it's not like you're saving a ton of money there. It's not like when we talk about buying hygiene items and you're buying, you know, low in, in you're buying for years or whatever, you know, it, it's not the same kind of cost savings there. Um, you know, and some people will disagree with me. It's like Todd, you know, gas has jumped up, you know, really high lately, but, um, you know, for me, it just, it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't convenient, but I do have the container. So again, if I know that there's going to be an emergency, if I know that there's going to be a hurricane, I know that, um, you know, there's a big, uh, winter storm coming, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I might go fill up my, my gas containers. So I have those. So I'm not going out, you know, during the winter storm Yuri that we had a couple of years ago, you know, people were going out in the midst of, you know, they were filling up their gas tanks and stuff like that for their generators, you know, after the freeze. And by at that time, I think you can't do it, right? You, you got to be paying attention. We always talk about paying attention to what's going on, paying attention. Like, you know, there's a hurricane. If they're going to say, Hey, we've got like a serious freeze coming, paying attention to those types of things and, and going and getting, you know, prepared at that point. So, um, you know, I can, I can do that. My generator is dual fuel, so I can do propane and I can do gas. And so I think that is a big advantage there. If you have a gas generator, there are ways that you can do, um, you, you can get an adapter so that you can make it into a propane. So, uh, you know, or, or at least have dual fuel, right? So, um, you know, if, if you're handy and you can do that. But I'm a big believer in propane, and I, I do like propane because of the shelf life. I mean, it has the, the most shelf life than any of the other that we talked here talked about other than wood. You know, it can, it can last up to 30 years if it's stored correctly. And so I'm a big proponent of propane, and I think it's, uh, it's valuable. It's, it is expensive. And so initially, you know, when I talk about, I'm very grateful for proper website and the podcast because it helped my family get better prepared. I mean, there was times where I would go out and buy a propane tank and, you know, with it being full, you know, and so I, I stocked up some, a number of propane takes and, and I have them available to myself. Uh, if, if we ever need it, that's why, you know, have a barbecue grill that I can cook on. I have, uh, you know, camping stoves that I can, you know, I have the adapter to go from the big 20 pound to, uh, the camping stove. 
And then, of course, I have the, the propane generator. And so one of the things that I was always concerned about was if I had too much propane and there was an, there was an emergency or, I don't know, maybe there was a fire while I was at work and the house went up in flames and then you have these propane tanks, uh, you know, in the garage or whatever, and I'm safe. You know, we keep them far away from any kind of flame or, you know, anything like that. But if that happened, would that uh, void my my home insurance, you know, the fire insurance and all that kind of stuff? So I was always worried about that. So there was a, a long time where, um, you know, we barbecue um, quite often down here. And so I was not refilling them and because I was concerned about that. And so not too long ago, probably about two years ago, I contacted my, uh, my insurance guy and uh, I hit him up with this question. I'm like, Hey, what, you know, is the, is there a limit to the amount of propane tanks that you can have, you know, if this happened and I gave him the scenario, you know, if uh, I have these full propane tanks in my garage, we have a fire and then they do an investigation and they, they see these propane tanks or whatever, are, are they going to void my, my insurance? And so he said, you know, Todd, that's a great question. I've never, ever had to, you know, had anyone ask me that question. Let me dig into it. So we have traveler's insurance. That's what we use for our home and also for our vehicles. And uh, he, you know, he investigated it and he called, you know, talked to whoever he needed to talk to, came back and he said, no, there is no limit to the amount of propane that you can have at home. And so I'm like, all right. So I feel a little bit more comfortable having those full and, and ready to go. And so after I heard that, I started to you know get those refilled and have those available in case of an emergency for whatever reason. Again, I've, I've uh, been purposeful about having a camp stove, having the adapter to go from the little canisters to the big uh, 20 pound uh, being able to, is it 20 pound or five pound? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I think maybe they're five pound. No, I think they're 20, man, maybe they're 20 pound. I don't know. I'm having a discussion with myself here on the podcast, All right? You can see how my, uh, my morning's going. So, uh, with that, and again, the generator, and then, you know, even the little buddy heater, I can, I can do that. If I needed a heater heat source, I could use that if I needed to. And so, you know, all those different ways of, uh, of, uh, utilizing it, just, you know, having all those redundancies, I think that's important. Uh, I think wood is going to be one of those things. I think if you live in an area where there is trees and forests and woods kind of where I'm at, I mean, it's not like right next to me, but I could get to it pretty easily. You want to have the tools to be able to process that. So whatever that means, you want to be able to have, you know, the saws, the axes, the the hatchets, you know, whatever you're going to do to be able to, to uh, take care of that. And then I think it's really important if you are dealing with power tools is you had that solar generator. Uh, if, if we're talking about fuel and just kind of this discussion here is to have a way to charge up your power tools. I think that would be important as well. And so of course, you know, it, it's not necessarily in this article, but that's just, I'm going to throw that out there for my two cents. All right. So this article is over at the survivalistblog.net. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out. And uh, you can click on the links and watch the videos and click on the other articles that are there. Uh, I, uh, I think it's definitely worth it to go and put a little bit of time and effort into this. Uh, you know, what, what, you, what would you do there? You know, if, if anything, I think you need to have some options for cooking. And maybe, uh, you know, you can go back and check the archives for uh, cooking podcast episodes. 
but uh, I think that would be you know pretty important. Cooking and heating, I think, is something that you need to consider uh, as we you know we're here in the middle of summer and it is hotter than hot. But uh, pretty soon we'll be dealing with winter time, and uh, who knows with all the different the crazy weather that we're having, you might want to put a little thought into that. All right, so guys, let me end with this. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll also enjoy listening to audiobooks. So I use Audible as my app and audio store of choice. If you don't have Audible, you can join for 30 days. You can enjoy listening to Audible, originals, podcasts, sleep tracks, and audiobooks. If you are already an Amazon Prime member, you will get two free audiobooks to keep, even if you don't keep the membership. And they have a couple of different levels of membership that you can look into. So I highly recommend it. If you want to get more information, you can visit audiopreps.com. Again, that's audiopreps.com. I have also, when you go to audiopreps.com, it's going to take you to the website. I have some audiobooks there that I have listened to, and I think that they're great and I recommend. And so some that are like prepper fiction, but then also other audiobooks that uh, are not necessarily prepper related, but I think that are uh, positive to to listen to and to and to have. So again, that's audiopreps.com. Or you could click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 751. To subscribe to the show, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Readiness Goodness. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.